Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Jane Schooler on how to parent when you yourself weren't parented well. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you from the Knowledge Center at Shadok and looking forward to another interview today. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Jane Schooler, and our topic is going to be how to parent when you yourself were not parented well. So we're going to be looking at adult attachment, which many of you know is a favorite topic of mine. But before we get started with Jane, I want to tell you a little bit about her background. So Jane became a foster parent in 1978 and um, served as a foster parent with her husband from 1978 to 1986. They also, through this process, became adoptive parents um, and her um adoptive journey I'm sure she will touch on in our interview. But for the last 25 years, um, she's been training and educating adoption and foster care professionals. She did go on to get a master's degree in counseling. She's been featured at numerous state, national, and international conferences, and she regularly trains for the Ohio Child Welfare Training Program. She is the author or the co-author of seven books, which having now written some books, I take that very seriously when I see that, realize what goes into that. Um, But she's the author of seven books um, in the adoption field. And her newest book is Wounded Children Healing Homes, How Traumatized Children Impact Adoptive and Foster Parents. So I'm really looking forward to her interview today. She's going to be joining us from Ohio, where she lives. And I think it's going to be a great discussion. So we'll be coming right up. Join the Knowledge Center for an experiential workshop designed to support successful engagement of parents in the child therapy process. Karen Doyle Buckwalter will be joining Daphna Lender for the other half of the equation, engaging parents in child therapy. This two-day workshop on September 24th and 25th will focus on how to identify parents who need more focused work, how to set goals for the parent, how to help parents initiate repair, and more areas to help the child, parent, and therapist get the most out of the therapy session. Registration is open now. For more information or or to register for the workshop, head to tkcchaddock.org. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Uh, we are continuing our interview with Jane Schooler from Ohio area. We're talking about adult attachment. We're talking about looking at one's own history and how that impacts our parenting, and perhaps even how to overcome one's history and parent differently than you've been parented. So thanks for being here to continue this discussion, Jane. Thank you, Karen. This is this is fun. I love yeah. doing this. Yes, yes. So we've made our case, uh, hopefully in part one of the importance of this. And tell us, let's continue to talk about, you know, some of the nuts and bolts of this. 
Okay. You know, one of the things that you're very familiar with as a real expert in this area is the term earned secure attachment. Yes. And, um, and in my mind, I, as we've been talking. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure your listeners have heard about the styles of attachment and all of that. But there comes a point when I recognize that's not what I had. I think one of the best illustrate is an extremely personal situation. My husband's um, always, he shares it publicly too. Uh, before we got into this work, um, we didn't know the attachment styles. Well, he went through trust-based relational intervention course, and he had to take the AAI. Yes. And he was identified as um, avoidant attachment. And then we began talking about his parenting. He couldn't describe two adjectives to describe his father because mm -hmm. there was almost zero relationship there. Mm -hmm. And almost the same. They were beautiful. I loved them. I didn't get to know his dad. I loved his mom. But... So he had no give and take emotionally growing up. So he learned, and I said, you know, once we learned it, I kind of kiddingly said, yeah, I, I could have told you that. But, <laughs> but he, recognized, he recognized that. And I think one of the biggest things for him as he has moved towards secure attachment is recognizing that, calling yeah. himself out yes. and saying, hey, you know, this is coming out of my history that I need to make a different decision here. And I think the very first thing about it is, is just being honest with where you are. And I think what, what we talk about specifically related to the adult attachment interview and how that happens is making the unconscious conscious. Yes. Because when you are controlled by your unconscious, you are on autopilot. You are repeating patterns that you're oblivious that you're repeating. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so when you're oblivious to what you're doing, there's that lack of awareness. There's that lack of conscious um, understanding of it. You're prone to repeat it um, and not be able to stop it. Absolutely. And very a term that your listeners would be very familiar with considering your work is mindfulness. I yes. pay attention. Yes. I pay attention. And that has to be intentional. Yes. Um, and I have to be willing for my husband to say, hey, let's back it up here and talk about this again. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Or I to him. Yes. Um, I have coworkers that we do that with because all of this affects every relationship we have. It does. So being mindful, it, it yeah. being mindful um, really is very, very important. And back to earn security for a second. Maybe I should define that briefly for our listeners. So earn secure is a classification in the adult attachment interview where uh, what you've shared in the interview in terms of a loving relationship with your parents does not score in the range that we would see for security. So a lot of like really hard things have happened. Um, your parents were really unavailable. However, somehow, some way, you do fit into security um, in other parts of the scale of the adult attachment interview. So basically we're saying, you didn't get what we would optimally hope you had to build secure attachment. But somewhere along the line, something happened, whether it was um, another caregiver, whether it was a partner, teacher, whatever, that has allowed you to still come up 
classified as secure on the adult attachment interview, even though you didn't get a lot of things that would produce security in an adult. Mm -hmm. And I also just want to emphasize here, the adult attachment interview is not about what happened to you. You can have really horrific things have happened to you. It's how you understand them and how you speak of them and how coherent you are. In other words, have you worked through the things that have happened to you or are you denying, suppressing, overly focused on them, whatever. So that's the, that is the hope uh, that we have that you stated in the very beginning, Jane, we can overcome adversity and move towards security at any point in life. So just a little spiel there about the actual term. Yeah, great, great. Well, this is so um, critically important. And as we talked a little bit in part one and, and mentioned that one of the first steps in learning to be a better parent than I was parented yes. is to make sense of your own childhood history. We've talked a lot about that. Yes. And Dr. Siegel talks about that. And Donna Jackson Nakasawa in Childhood Disrupted talks about that, that we have to make sense of our own childhood. And again, it's not a blame. Um, it's, a, it's a way to really get in touch with where I am. And Dr. Siegel goes so far as to say in Parenting in the Inside Out and even some of his other materials, that could be the greatest gift you could even give to your children is having an awareness and understanding of your own history. Sure. And we hide that out of shame. We shot, that's a big thing, but yeah, family secrets and shame drives so much of our stuff that we're yeah. not able to to get to the level of healing, we rise above, I forget, it was Dennis Jernigan, I think, the musician Dennis Jernigan said, we rise to the level, only to the level of our secrets. And we can't heal if we stop, the well, ceiling is our a, secrets. That's a more positive spin than I've heard on that phrase. You're as sick as your secrets is what I've always heard. So that seems yeah. to be a little more. Yeah, you're as sick as your secrets. There's a little yeah. more Spin on, on yeah, if your secrets are your ceiling, that's as far as you're going to get toward healing for sure. Another thing that Dr. Siegel talks about, and I love these, and I know, um, Karen, you'd be so familiar with these, are the four S's. Mm -hmm. And these yeah. are so important. One of the things with kids who, adults who were neglected as children, feel they were not seen. Yes. So one of the things that parents can do can be really intentional about eye contact, touch, and connection. And one of the most important things with our is, is ability to play. And children know they're seen when the parents are playing with them. So I think um, well, his first S is seen. The second S is what kind of environment does my child feel safe? Are my responses to that child safe? Are my actions to that child um, safe? Does my child cower when I open my mouth? So um, seen, safe, soothed. One of the things I think people, especially um, on insecure attachment, avoided and, and ambivalent, they have, no one has helped them really process the emotional stuff. No one goes to the deeper stuff. 
And so soothes means that we have those deep conversations. They give strong permission to the child to deal with their emotions. And that's hard if you've never had it done for you. Yes. And that might be a task someone has to learn. How do I keep conversations um, going the direction I want them to with my kids? How do I ask the right questions to get down to their feelings? Or does my child get the message, don't talk, don't feel, don't anything here? Yeah. Because they probably grew up with that don't talk and don't feel message. And then the last one is secure and help your child develop that deep sense of contentment and well-being. And those things happen because they're seen, they feel safe, according to Dr. Siegel, and soothed. You know, our brains heal when um, they are in part of meaningful conversations. Our brains do heal. So when we have that give and take, that serve and return stuff, if parents can learn that power of serve and return Mm -hmm. um, in conversations, that's such a healing thing. They probably never had it. So it's a skill they're going to have to learn. Yes. Yes, that's true. You know, sometimes the way I speak about this is when you don't have internal representations like pictures that live inside of you and your body about what these mm-hmm. things look like, you can't do them. I mean, so, you know, right. I mean, in my early years as a therapy therapist, our dimensions are structure engagement, nurture, and challenge, and therapy. And um, I talk with parents gently about the need to be more nurturing. Well, if you don't know what that looks like or feels like, you are not going to have the ability to do that. And just watching someone else do it, even at, you know, we have parents observe the fair play, but watching someone else do it is not the same as receiving that experience yourself so that you can then give that to your child. And, you know, I think one of the things that we sometimes say, and I'm sure it's a familiar phrase to you, you can't give kids what you haven't got, what you didn't get, you know? So I think many times we are asking parents to give to the children that which they never received themselves. Right. And as adults, they can receive those things. If, if they're yes. in a marriage relationship where yes. they can experience all of these things. Or um, in a therapist relationship or, yes. you know, um, a, a, a long-term romantic partner or, you know, um, so, you know, we have, there, there's opportunities to experience this in adulthood. All is not lost, as we said, if you didn't experience this in childhood. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think another thing that helps us um, to be better parents is, is a phrase I love, be a re- repairer of the breach. And when Dr. Siegel says, when ruptures in relationship happens, it's the repair after the rupture that really teaches a child to tolerate negative things instead of banishing it away. So when parents blow it, and we all blow it, that we make sure that we repair the breach. Right. And, and that's such a key thing for learning how to parent better than we were parented. Probably our parents never apologized or never, it was just done. 
Right. Um, so the rupture without repair, rupture without repair, um, builds a core sense of shame in children. Um, when there's rupture, 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 no repair, rupture, 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 no repair. Um, so I love what you're saying, you know, the idea that there are going to be ruptures. I mean, we know that, you know, Winnicott, for example, said you have to be a good enough parent, not a perfect parent. We've seen some data from attachment studies that, you know, we only get it right a, a, maybe 33% of the time. The rest is rupture and repair. There's, there's different, you know, there's different percentages. Basically, it is you're not going to avoid the ruptures, but the key thing, we want to minimize them, of course, but the key thing is that there's repair afterward, and I think that's such an important point that you're bringing up, and I think, um, and I write about this in our new book too, Jean, I think people think about, you need you know, when they think about doing that with a coworker or a friend or in uh, a, a partner or whatever, of course you have to go back and make a repair and try to make this right. For some reason, sometimes parents think, you don't have to do that with a kid. You know, they need to do as they're told. So, you know, I'm not going to apologize yeah. to my kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought I, we have the most amazing staff at our back-to-back ministries. And one of the gentlemen I was just talking to yesterday um, in a, in a group setting, and he was a teacher and a coach and he talked about how he treated his kids at school, but he didn't treat his kids at home the same way. And And I'm I'm assuming he had more grace or was open to forgiveness. Yes. Grace for the kids at school. And he coached than he did for his own kids. And he said, they're adults now. And I've had to go back and repair the lots of breaches with them. Yeah, because I was so demanding and high expectations and all of those kind of things that he didn't have with other people's kids. Well, our own children trigger us. We're in an attachment relationship with our kids. And yes, yes, it's profoundly powerful. And um, that that leads to us, you know, being able to be triggered in ways that we aren't in other relationships in terms of even feeling rejection or, or whatever we feel is, is going to be really magnified. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another way um, that um, Donna Jackson uh, talks about is um, create a world of ungratefulness within your home. Stop the world and be grateful is her terminology. And taking time to celebrate the small accomplishments, um, expressing thanks to your kids when they've done something. Oftentimes, the only time we say anything is when they haven't done it. And just creating a a thankful environment um, that the more gratitude we feel, the deeper sense of happiness and joy naturally follows. And take time, she says, for the powerful 20-second hugs. Mm. That's so nice. Yeah. And, and for parents who never had this, you have to be intentional about all of this stuff. Yes. It, pay it, attention. Yes. Because it, it, it will not, if you did not have this, it will not come naturally. So if you just are sort of on autopilot with whatever comes out of your mouth um, and not being conscious, not being mindful, you know, whatever language we want to use, um, you have to be purposeful with some of this, especially mm-hmm. at first. Yes. It's really different for you. 
Yeah, that's why I think parent support groups or anything like that can help parents as they talk with each other. Um, it helps to say, I'm not the only one not doing well here. And these are good ideas. I can work on these. Mm-hmm. And I think I like the word you used, gratitude. And words I often talk about are praise, affirmation, and validation. Um, some parents and children that I'm working with, the relationship is nearly 100% devoid of those things when they've gotten to a point where they're very parents being very overwhelmed, very frustrated, just getting by minute to minute. Um, and all of that is gone. And I, you know, we understand of course how you can get to that point, but we have to work for, to get those things back. Right. Right. And it's very hard when these kids have become like sandpaper to us, everything they do makes us irritable like mm-hmm. sandpaper, but sandpaper, I shared that illustration one time as a gentleman said, you know what sandpaper's designed to refine. And so when we've got our kids coming against our stuff that feels very irritating, it's a refining tool for us. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes I too, I have to, like, in my mind, I sometimes think, I wonder if the child thinks you're sandpaper to them. They, you sure do. <laughs> they may not say it, but that they sure, or we, they may. That may be something we have to think about too. You know, again, looking on both sure. sides of the equation. Oh. You know. Yes, and we do. Yeah. You know, we ask our kids to show us respect when we don't show them respect. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's a two-way thing. It's a serve and return thing. Yeah, yeah. So what else have you found in, in terms of helping um, parents parent differently or hopefully maybe parent more effectively than they feel that they were parented? Well, one of the, another thing that um, comes out of the book, Childhood Disrupted, and, and it's in our own work as well, is I may come from a horrific history and I need to reframe that toxic intergenerational history. And basically you you're gonna have to walk the dark road walk through the river of healing which is really hard in order for that to happen one of the most beautiful stories that we have um, my husband is a pastoral counselor and he works a lot with abused and neglected adults and he has been working with a young woman now gosh eight or ten years that um and she tells her story publicly it's on the internet it's a beautiful beautiful story but she was trafficked by her grandfather for a number of years he would keep her for the weekends to help her mom but mom didn't know she was being trafficked well she dissociated all those memories until she was in 30s and it started exploding but it already started impacting the family her marriage her kids it was all unconscious stuff and over the years, she's had to reframe what that has meant. She's not the victim. She's um, walked through a lot of healing so she can tell her story. And um, she's broken that intergenerational because as she found out later that it happened to her sisters, it happened to her mother, it happened to her aunt. This was an intergenerational uh, horrific trauma um, going through the generations. And so she reframed that in terms of not the victim, but the victor over this. She now works with young trafficked women 
So she's been able to reframe it in that way and use it. And so I think sometimes we have to look at what has happened to us and how are we going to reframe that? What are we going to do with that? Are mm -hmm. we going to park there and stay stuck? Or are we going to go around it and adapt, learn how to adapt around it? And sometimes that adapting and reframing involves a lot of grief and loss. Grieving those things that were done to me and those things that I lost as a result of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you added that last uh, part there about grief and loss because, you know, one clarification that I wanted to say is when you're talking about reframing, um, you're not talking about denying and minimizing. No. Which is mm -hmm. one of the strongest um, defensive strategies of mm -hmm. people that are dismissing on the adult attachment interview um, and it, it, you know, minimizing what happened, saying it made you a better person, um, acting like it was okay, or you're kind of glad that it happened to you and, and, and it made you strong in the world. So you'll do it the same with your kids. That is not what we're talking about. Right. right. <laughs> um, and I think it's important to um, differentiate some of this that we're talking about processing and metabolizing the emotion of what happened to you, right. um, not suppressing, denying, minimizing, sugarcoating, not being able to look at it because you don't want to feel like you're speaking badly about your parents, whatever it is. That's not what you're talking right. about. Right. And we can get, I think sometimes can we can get to the point where I'm not going to say I'm glad that it happened to me, but because of where it took me to heal in this process of reframing, I am a better person mm -hmm. because of that healing that's come. Yeah. But healing never comes if you stand just with your toes in the river and say, you know, I don't really need to go in the river. This isn't that bad. No, you got to get in the river to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to highlight that distinction um so yeah so i'm glad you did thank you yes yeah, yeah. so yeah so I i'm watching the time and realizing that mm. we're we're running out of time what else would you like to share with us about this topic you've given us so much so far so helpful jane i just love the work that you're doing and i feel so encouraged mm. because sometimes um it feels like child welfare is not, you know, really getting a lot of this. And, and you've had so much influence on that system in your state. So that makes me happy. <laughs> oh, I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, um, we talked in part one, I think the very beginning of part one, and I come circling around again, I think a real key of this is the whole area of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That we don't stay stuck in anger and bitterness uh, some people, um, my husband recently had a man that came to him very angry, 20 years of anger against his father. And he said to him, do you want to get rid of the anger? And he sat there for a minute and he said, it's all I've known. I don't think so. That's the only way I can have any relationship, which is no relationship at all. So I think um, being willing to be that person who forgives, um, Understanding there's meaning behind our parents' behavior. There's mm -hmm. meaning behind the neglectful behavior. There's meaning behind the abusive. That's not excusing it. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between excusing it and and forgiving. We need to forgive for ourselves. It's not about them anyway. It's releasing toxins build up in our system when there's unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. And 
So I think as this topic, as we're closing out here, Karen, I think we started with forgiveness <clears throat> and I think ending with the whole concept of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So, well, I think um, I want to thank you again um, for thank you. You know, the time that, that we've had here today and sharing all the wonderful work that, that you're doing. Um, and I want to give you some time to share, you know, where to, what some of your books are. I was reading your bio and I saw you've been involved in seven books and that just exhausted me to even just ponder that. I don't know how you've done that, but some of your books, where to find them, you know, if somebody, I don't know if you do speaking um, outside of, you know, what, what you're doing locally at this time or not, but just where can they find you, your books and some more information that you have to share? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Uh, well, um, our most recent, second most recent book, Wounded Children Healing Homes, is one of a, is a favorite. And telling the truth to your adopted or foster child is, is both of them. Wounded Children, we're hoping to update in the next couple of years. But Wounded Children, I mean, Telling the Truth is a brand new update. Um, I do do speaking. I, we, my husband and I work full-time for back-to-back ministries, and we travel domestically and international training our trauma-competent caregiving nine-module series. And um, back-to-back ministries is back-to-back with the number two.org. You can find more information about that. The newest project I'm working on, I'm still waiting for the go from the publisher. You know what that's like, right, Karen? Waiting yes. for a publisher? <laughs> anyway, um, the, sub, the title is, working title is Mending the Broken Road, Bringing Trauma-Informed Care into ch- ch- uh, Children's Youth Ministries. Mm. And just flooding with the church needs this information. Yes. Um, and so I'm not sure. I hope that it's a go. So that's where we are. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and to hear about all your wonderful work. Well, thank you for asking. It's always a joy to speak with you, too. Bye-bye for now. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.